0: Oh, shit. It's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. I choose a player prop for the upcoming Thursday night game and Tarek and Trey debate each side of the over-under. And Thursday, we actually do have a heater coming up. We got the Kansas City Chiefs and the La Chargers. Uh, It's in LA. And uh, yeah, so why don't we flip a coin here, Uh, Trey? Heads or tails? Give me heads. Oh, we're gonna do I'm gonna do this thing where we look at it. It looks like heads to me. Yeah, that's it. Right, give me the ball. Looks like it's heads there. Trey wants the ball. So uh let's actually choose a player and a player prop. Uh let's actually do it this time. Keenan Allen's over under is seventy two and a half. Over or under Trey? Over. I'm gonna over. steal the over
1: from Tarek. I love it. Um No, I just don't believe in the Chiefs pass defense. I think this will probably be a game where uh, we're running up the score. We'd probably hit the over on the points total. So, yeah, I like the uh, best receiver uh, tied to uh, the quarterback who's playing way better right now. Uh, So, yeah, give me Keenan Allen.
2: Okay, so I'm taking the under. Uh, I just Googled Keenan Allen COVID uh, to see (laughs) if he had been activated off the COVID reserve list, and he has. He he has has indeed been activated, so I cannot make that excuse um at you but... google it over
1: there researching it right time.
2: <laughs> look at me googling he's gonna hit the under uh just because you know he's a great receiver but he he gets all his targets like five yard downfield so he's gonna really? have like 13 targets for 64 yards but you don't believe that who's to say or do you? who's to say mitch i don't know john rapid
0: fire one for you who's getting more receiving yards tyreek hill or kelsey this week
3: Oh, Kelsey's not gonna like touch the ball but twice. That's Tyreek Hill. Easy. Kelsey is like I don't know, man. I dropped him down by like tight end five in my rankings today. I'm not sure about Kelsey.
1: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I dropped him in a league, man. I, I hate dropped him. him. <laughs> I'm a contender.
2: I don't need that dead weight on my team going to the playoffs. Tired I'm of not
3: him. I'm not in the playoffs. What do I need Kelsey for? I dropped him hard, man.
2: I dropped him hard. <laughs> What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Binshwea. With me, as always, I get to say it once again, John Alexander, Trey Cryon, and Mitch Yates. We got a full house, finally, a rare occurrence these days, but Let's super go. good to have everybody back. What's going on, boys? Oh, You know, man, it was, uh, it was fun last week, uh,
1: just me and you, but it's even better now that we got the full team back together.
0: I'm so excited guys. It, it actually kind of wants me to kind of makes me want to speak this into existence. I know we talked about having a little TLG retreat. We got to do it, man. We got to, we got to get together in person. I think seeing all of you here again for the first time in like what a month at least, uh, feels good. Yeah. Just the four of us, no one else. No one else.
3: It, it would be nice to see y'all in person. I'm honestly curious what the bottom seventy five percent of your bodies look like. Like, I've just been staring at your head for the last <laughs> year, and I have no idea. Like, what, what do these people look like? Maybe they don't have legs. I don't know.
0: Well, John, you did see. Well, I'm not gonna. Say, I'm not gonna say seventy five percent of uh, whatever. But um, you did get to see me in Austin.
1: Not too long ago.
3: Yeah, I was hammered, though. I don't remember any of that. Uh, that's yeah, fair.
1: <laughs> well, this is this is what happens when you start a pod during a international pandemic. And, uh, you know, we've essentially been doing this uh, remotely over Google Meet and on our evenings during the year. So it's uh, yeah, it would be good to get the game back together and, and do the retreat. I like the idea, Mitch. I'm
2: it summer 2022 in Charleston. We're putting it out there. So our travel plans aside, let's get into this content. I want to start off before we get into the first half with a little conversation about DeAndre Hopkins' dynasty value, because uh, we got news today from Adam Schefter that uh, Hopkins sprained his knee and he will be out likely for the rest of the regular season. So that means for the rest of the dynasty season and dynasty playoffs. What does this mean for DeAndre Hopkins? He's going to be 30 in the off season. You know that age starts to get scary for dynasty managers. So let me start with John. Uh, what? How are you valuing DeAndre Hopkins now?
3: Oh man, I just, he just I tanked him in my rankings. I, w- I just want to remind you all, like a few months ago when we did the starter startup for our listeners' league, uh, Hopkins went. To me, the pick after Jamar Chase, and I was making the argument that you couldn't get Jamar Chase for DeAndre Hopkins straight up at the time, and we we're all like, no, that's that couldn't possibly be right. Could you imagine trying to get DeAndre Hopkins for Jamar, Jamar Chase right now? That's it's, <laughs> it's not even the right neighborhood. Like he, it's been precipitous the fall, and I've taken him all the way down uh, to wide receiver 28 in my rankings. Um, I think he's say
0: 28.
3: Wide receiver 28. In my Likes. rankings, you know, and he just he's played 10 games this year, I think. And uh, he's been impressive in maybe half of them. So I i just I'm not seeing it. Uh, I think the age cliff has come and uh, like, I don't know, was he worth a, a second? I guess I'd give up for him at this point. I, I'm not I'm not optimistic about DeAndre Hopkins going forward.
2: Trey, in the show league, uh, you just traded for DeAndre Hopkins to for your playoff push. So how are you feeling? Well, it feels bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the trade that went down, uh, last week
1: right before the, uh, the deadline was essentially Ridley for Hopkins straight up. I threw in, uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, to go along with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I knew Ridley, uh, was, you know, kind of more valuable to me long-term than Hopkins was at that point, you know, he's three years younger, but I was trying to, you know, get a contending piece onto my roster, you know, to set me up for the playoffs. And of course he gets hurt, uh, two days later. So, you know, such is life, but, uh, Yeah, I mean, Hopkins has a lot going against him right now. He's gonna coming up on his 30th birthday. He only had like a target share in the 20% range this year. So he wasn't really consolidating the volume like he has in years past when he was putting up like top five wide receiver seasons year in, year out. So I think, you know, after the injury news, like his value definitely is not a first rounder anymore, right? So if you get that, then absolutely snap it up, Uh, you know, that – possibility, but um I mean obviously I'm gonna be holding him going into the off season and looking to uh move him if I can get anywhere close to uh a late first in return
0: yeah i'm I'm closer to where you are trey john I think that's a little too drastic um I think the offense kind of demonstrated that they use all the weapons and all the pieces there before he got hurt, and he was doing okay, but I think those like number one wide receiver days are definitely behind him. But I don't think he's toast either. Like, he's only 30. He's a wide receiver. Um I think this kind of puts him in the territory of, like, Adam Thielen and Julio Jones in, like, the... I don't feel super great about him going forward, but he's still going to exist. He's still going to put up points. And um I, right. I have him higher than the two guys I just mentioned, but, like, sure. the older aging guys that are still like very startable
2: yeah this is interesting because last week on the pod that me and Trey just did um, we had a long conversation uh, about how production tends to decrease rather neatly with value so this is going to be an interesting discussion over the offseason I'm not ready to say that DeAndre Hopkins is done I did move him down to wide receiver 26 in my ranking so I'm kind of near where John has him but um i I can see him having a couple years of production left, so uh, just hedging his age versus what he's got left versus the guys that are around him, right? Like, let me ask you, Trey. would you rather have DeAndre Hopkins or Brandon Iyuk? Oof. Well, you
1: know, going into next season, right? So since Hopkins essentially has no value this year at this point, I mean, I, I guess I'd go Ayuk, right? Because uh, you still think uh, Ayuk's got that ceiling, uh, the reason like we were all buying into him last off and you know the last few weeks he's kind of shown you know he, that he's that receiver that we you know kind of wanted him to be. So yeah, I take Brandon Ayuk here. I do think there is some reason for hope with Hopkins, just because he does seem like he's been hampered with injury, uh, and we just don't know how much that kind of played into the you know low target share this year versus you know the beginning of the end and his you know eventual age cliff
2: John and Mitch I, I would imagine y'all might disagree with that take Ayuk over Hopkins what do, what do y'all think
0: It depends I don't know if I can make that decision in a vacuum I can see okay. both sides to that depending on whatever situation I was in If I'm looking at like just straight up in the vacuum I guess I lean towards Ayuk just because he has more time and Sure but I, I can definitely see scenarios where I'd take
2: Hopkins, though.
3: Okay, I I have them back to back in my rankings, twenty eight and twenty nine. It's flip a coin
2: for me. Okay, so yeah, context dependent. That's a that's a completely reasonable answer.
1: Hey, when it's close, when it's close, go with the side of youth.
2: I like it. All right, let's kick off this first half. And just as a reminder, uh, each of us are giving two insights based on the week fourteen slate of football, in which uh, we're trying to give our listeners an edge on their league mates in their dynasty leagues. So we'll kick off with Trey. What is your first insight?
1: All right. So I want to do a quick value check on Saquon Barkley because uh, this is a guy who I drafted in the first round of our show league uh, startup draft last summer. And honestly, right before the trade deadline, I was seriously considering uh, making a move to get him off my roster for guys who were you know going to be more reliable for the playoffs. So Right now, he's down to running back 12 in keep trade cut, which seems pretty low to me. And the two guys right ahead of him are Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. Now, Henry's three years older and Chubb is one year older. Both of these were not guys before this season who we considered pass-catching running backs, right? So if that's the price on Saquon Barkley, that really feels like a buy to me. You know, he showed signs of life on Sunday with that receiving touchdown, which kind of saved his afternoon. Uh, We're probably looking at a new offensive coordinator next year for the Giants. And Barkley's only going to be 25 going into next season, so he still has a lot of years left. But I'm kind of balancing those feelings that that's good value with that desire that I just had to trade him away because I think it's really fair to believe that there's at least 12 other running backs right now in the league that you would rather have on your team for your playoff run. So guys like Elijah Mitchell guys like Leonard Fournette have been way more dependable this season and are probably going to be more productive over the next two or three weeks. So I'm going to turn this around to you guys. Do you think that Barkley still has that top five upside? And would you go and try to get him for somebody like Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb at this point? Yes. I see Derrick is like, yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes,
0: definitely. Now the championship matters though. So like, if you're a couple points away, like if you need to put a couple more points in your roster, then make that extra. And and you can make an extra push right now. I guess most places aren't allowing you to trade. But
1: yeah, depending on your league. If yeah, depending on your league or not.
0: But oh, man, yeah, I I would definitely. He's still got the upside. He's still got the top five upside for sure. He's still young. And that offense was a
2: mess this year. Like this year almost doesn't even count
0: for the Giants.
2: I mean, I would 100% trade Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb for Saquon Barkley. Um, that's why I was kind of nodding so profusely. I definitely think he still has top five upside. I think from what I've seen when Saquon does get a little bit of room, as now that he's kind of gotten over those injuries, I think he's still Saquon Barkley. I think he's still good. And I think he's going to... Show his top five upside over the next couple of years, right? Like you said, he's going to be 25 next season. He's still got a couple of years left. Um, I think if Derrick Henry comes back for the playoffs and has a nice performance, I think that's going to open up a really nice window. If you wanted to make a deal like that, um, Nick Chubb, just a guy that doesn't get that passing work. Uh, I think he maybe even is a little bit older than Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Chubb's one year older. Yeah. Um, so give me Saquon Barkley for sure. He 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 has fallen for me in the last couple of weeks or the last month or so. He's my running back seven in PPR, but I, it's not going to be hard to see him go, you know, to that next level.
1: Yeah, Tarek. I mean, I I absolutely agree with you, man. I think he definitely has that top five upside, which is why I wanted to bring it up today because, you know, you start to second guess yourself when you see running back 12 on keep trade cut. Like, am I going crazy right now? But now he's still Barkley, and I think there's lots of reasons to believe in that upside going into next year.
0: It's not like the Giants are awful as far as their offensive pieces go either. I I feel like Jason Garrett, we we know he was terrible, but it's not completely unreasonable to think that somebody could unlock this offense a little bit better next year, right? And saquon's already shown it on a shitty offense that the giants have put forth so give him a full offseason yeah i'm back
1: on the bandwagon so i'll throw it to john to close us out here so he's also going in the range of like an early 2022 first round pick right now so john where are you out on that
3: uh i think you got to take saquon over any guy in the next class uh it's not a spectacular class. Uh, unless, even if you really, really need a quarterback in super flex, I still think you take Saquon. I still think he's much more valuable than anything that's going to come out of the 2022 class. I think Saquon, I think you said it best. I think he still has that top five ceiling. Um, I'm just not comfortable with him as my RB1 or RB2. If I'm playing him in the flex, then I'm feeling really good. Um, And I think Mitch is right. I think next season, we're going to see the best of Saquon Barkley. And this has been a yeah, I think you said it really well there, Mitch. This has been a throwaway season for the Giants. Next season should be better.
2: I think if you're hoping that Saquon Barkley is going to be your flex, you're probably kidding yourself. Like, I don't think mu- much people have that luxury. Like, I don't know. I was just kind of like shocked when you said, I hope he's not my RB1 or RB2. Do you mean right now or like moving forward?
3: Yeah, like right now. Like, I don't want to like, okay. I don't want to take him into the playoffs right now, relying as as my RB one or RB two, uh, because I don't think you're going to get a consistent production from him going through the playoffs.
1: Well, I'm rolling yeah. with him as my RB two and uh, yeah, definitely cheering for the guy.
3: You know, it's chaotic this year <laughs> and he could put up 40 because that's what the season's been. Pure
0: chaos. He's sure. proven that he can do it. And that's why we love him. Right.
2: Yeah, it's been a couple years, but yeah, I I agree with John. I would trade 101 in 2022 in a super flex league for Saquon Barkley. I like it. All right, Mitch, let's go to you next for your first insight for Dynasty.
0: All right, let's do it. So I wanted to catch up with any new listeners to the pod or just remind all the old ones uh, my general philosophy for tight ends. So what I like to do, I like to pay for proven talent and uh, it's the one position group in dynasty where age doesn't matter to me, and I think we should recognize that a little bit more here. So, in general, the strategy for a tight end you want the type uh, you want the top guys, right? Uh, Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Waller, Hawkinson, Pitts. You want to set it and forget it, but that didn't really work out this year. Kittle got hurt, Waller got hurt, Hawk has been banged up, um, Pitts. He's been, he's been okay, but Matt Ryan's been trying to bounce pass on the ball like he's playing NBA 2K. <laughs> so uh, with COVID injuries in 2021, depth has been king. And if you're making a run, you likely have been using the tight end by committee approach. So it's not just as simple as picking up five tight ends and saying you have a deep tight end group. Uh, I wanted to focus more on the roster construction aspect here. So step one, I like to... Make a play for a couple guys that I think might break out this year. So this conversation happening towards uh, 2022. So I would be making a play for guys that I think are going to make a splash in 2022. Step two, uh, get a crusty old backup who can put up points on your starting lineup. And step three, last step, buy that proven A-list starter if you don't have one. You hate to see Kelsey on a roster that missed the playoffs. Don't be that guy. Um, But yeah, so let's do it. So step one, I don't like to invest early. I usually want to jump in on the uh, three to five year players, the veterans, not the rookies. So none of the rookies are going to be on my radar other than Pitts. The targets this offseason were Dawson Knox, Irv Smith Jr., Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, Mike Giusecki, guys like that. Uh, The age window and individual promise for those players boosted them all up in my rankings and highlighted them more as important than the tight ends that have proven that they're average, like Austin Hooper or Evan Ingram, Higbee, etc. But I'm not a wizard. I can't see the future. I didn't know Jonu Smith was going to be awful, or that Dawson Knox was going to be tight end four overall. But I got them both for cheap, and that's the important part here. So step two, the crusty old backup. So when we started off this pod early in the earliest episodes, in my original rankings, I gave Gronkowski his own tier basically me saying, I don't know what the fuck to do with this guy. Uh, I put him at like 10th overall. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was like in the 20s or 30s, guys, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were in, afraid to invest in him fresh out of retirement because, you know, uh, that's just it. He's old and we're playing Dynasty. But I saw expensive points on a contending... I'm sorry. I saw inexpensive points on a contending roster. And even if I was rolling out Kelsey or Kittle, Grunk should have been on your radar. So other situations that I looked at were like Logan Thomas, Jared Cook, Zach Ertz, things like that. Some of those worked out better than others. But the final step would be getting your A-list, your A-tier starter here. And if you're going to make a run, man, that's when you got to make the play. Not not before. You got to make it after. When That's like the last piece of the puzzle, in my opinion. So if I'm going into 2022, I don't know what those targets are yet in the tight end group, but I'm paying very close attention to guys that I think are going to break out in 2022. And if I'm doing a startup in 2022, those guys are going to be on my radar ahead of guys that have proven that they've just been average. Um, I hope that clears some of that up, but, uh, guys, what do you think? So
3: I just wanted to kind of answer the question that you asked at the end there, if that's okay, Mitch, you said you, you didn't, you weren't quite sure who guys you're targeting for twenty twenty two might be. And I'm just gonna throw three names at at you that I think um that I think are guys to keep an eye on. And one of them was actually my reputation player that I said was going to break out this year. And that's Cole Komet. It didn't happen this year. He didn't have the breakout, but he's essentially doubled his uh reception production from last year. Um and it's been kind of up and down with the Bears between uh, Randy Dalton and uh, Justin Fields. And I think more consistency next year, a new coach. Uh, Cole Kmet's going to look a lot better next year. Albert O oh had a touchdown this week. And I know he's, his ceiling's always going to be limited because of Noah Fant, but he looks okay out there. And going into year three, that's the breakout. It's definitely a guy to keep in mind. And then a, a rookie that I liked through the process that we didn't all agree on was Brevin Jordan. And he's looked good uh, in the last four weeks since Houston had a bye. He hasn't had a quarterback, but he's been scoring touchdowns. He's been getting red zone looks. And he looks like a, a decent receiver. So he's he'll be a year two guy next year. So maybe not next year under in your strategy, maybe the year after that. Uh, but I, I, I actually, um, I, I use the exact opposite strategy that, as you. I like to pick the guys up early and hope that they hit. Um, but I can definitely see the validity of this strategy, Mitch.
0: Yeah. So, John, answer your question. um, I'm a weight on all of those guys. Brevin Jordan, I think, has looked good in his limited usage, but I think it's also been inflated by the touchdown catches that he's gotten. I'd like to see a little more. I think it's just too early for him. And I don't want him on my roster yet. Like, for me, he's not really doing anything. He's not going to be starting, so I don't need him. And if I decide that I do want him, then I'd be wanting him Later, later down the road, Alberto, uh, another one of those wait, wait and see approaches. If something happened to Fant and he became like the indisputed number one guy, then like like I said before, I'd be willing to like pay a higher premium for that. And uh, the first guy who, who would you ask
3: my breakout player, Mitch?
2: Cole Komet. Yeah. Cole Re- Komet. sorry no. sorry
3: reputation players what i meant. yeah
2: i don't think he's done shit enough for me to i mean look cole cole commit like john said he's doubled his receptions through 13 games and he hasn't scored any touchdowns so that's the bugaboo with cole commit so far um so if that regresses who knows like if he starts scoring touchdowns on a pat fryer level um, then Cole Komet looks a lot different, right?
0: So Pat Fryermuth is one of those guys that I would be actually willing to make a play for next year, but the breakout has been pretty consistent across the, the board here. So Yeah,
1: Mitch, so I think that's maybe for me, it's a good uh, test case for this because you're, you're essentially saying your first step here is you go for the guy who's kind of looking at that third year like pre-breakout, somebody like Dawson Knox presumably Johnny Smith who was going into his fourth season with the trade to um to New England but I mean Firemouth is already post broke out like like <laughs> post out. Well, that's what i'm saying like, though. He's yeah a he's proven already guy. So, like are, you're saying you this like firemuth is part of this kind of strategy that you're laying out here for us
0: no because he qualifies for me as a proven guy he's already shown me that he can handle uh like that tight end one role. He's in he's
2: proven that he can score a lot of touchdowns. That's for sure. And just for clarification, who Smith was not traded to New England. He went there in free. Agency. Yeah, sorry, it's free agency. Um, he's yeah. somebody
0: that like he's a, a hot enough player for me to like want to jump on there.
1: And like Pitts, Pitts would be another good example. It's like they're going to be exceptions. Mitch, I got to admit, man, I'm I'm sitting here like you know, kind of listening to you lay out the strategy, and you're saying like, okay, buy the guy who's pre-breakout, buy the crusty old vet. And then buy the like top tier, like proven dude. So, I mean, it kind of sounds like you're just saying buy everyone to me.
0: Right. And it's a process, right? Like this is not like a go do all this in one day
1: kind of thing. Okay. So do this, then do this, then do this.
0: It's, it's a roster construction. So basically where to start with your roster when your roster is progressing and ready to go. That's when you pull the trigger is what I was saying.
1: Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, talk shit on your strategy here because I mean, you, you absolutely hit on Knox and, and Gronk. So props to you for that. But, uh, the thing I like about this is this is absolutely like a quintessential Mitch strategy. So like, (laughs) this is something that, you know, I've seen you do in like multiple leagues now and like, you know, it's different than, you know, how John and I approach the position. Uh, Trey. Yeah. I take no offense, man. I, Totally get it, and
0: it's very difficult to explain. Like I mentioned, it's it's a tough strategy to articulate because it's we're trying to offer actionable advice in dynasty leagues, but everybody has a bit different of a roster. Uh, different situations call for different players and completely different things. And I I think that like if you break the strategy down, it can work for all your situations here. So
2: so it, can I attempt to distill it yes like the bottom line is identify the players that you like in those three categories and then track what their price is and when you see a price that you feel like is under what you're willing to pay that's when you strike on those on those three different categories is that a way to like be actionable about it i think so yeah okay 'Cause I, I think it's it's really about delineating those three categories and then identifying the players you like in them. Got it.
1: Got it. So by I mean, by that uh you know, logic then we should be selling Kittle and buying Waller, right?
2: Absolutely not. (laughs) No, George Kittle forever, but uh, that's a a conversation for another time. Let's move on to my first insight here coming out of week 14, and there's a few underperforming top eight dynasty quarterbacks that I want to highlight, and that's Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson, and the basic insight here is not to panic if you roster them. And going into the offseason, they will probably be prime targets for me in Superflex leagues. Both Prescott and Wilson dealt with injuries earlier this year that kept them out of lineups. Dak tweaked his calf, and Russ had that mallet finger injury. And both have looked a bit erratic in the time since they came back. There's been lots of sailed throws by both of them. And especially on Dak's part, some pretty mind-numbing decision-making and interceptions. Russell Wilson kind of had a get-right game against Houston last week, uh, made some nice throws, hitting a wide-open Tyler Lockett over and over again, still not connecting great with DK Metcalf, although there there was a little bit more intention to get him involved last week. Dak, on the other hand, might have had his worst game of the season against Washington. Uh, Like, the defense of Dallas just saved that game. So, Russ just turned 33 and Dak will be 29 over the offseason. That's plenty of runway left for a dynasty quarterback. Russ might be in a different situation next year. Maybe New Orleans, maybe New York, who knows? And Dak, he's not going anywhere. I think they're both kind of in a rut right now. And I don't expect that rut to be permanent because I think they're both really good players. Russell Wilson is down all the way to quarterback 12 on keep trade cut. That's behind Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Matt Stafford. And Dak is quarterback seven, which is not that egregious, but, you know, they're both kind of falling if they continue to struggle down the stretch. I think you're going to have maybe a protracted buying window over the first half of the off season these are both guys that I would spend two firsts on in Superflex. And that's a big overpay according to Keep Trade Cuts. So what do y'all think? So I, I'm really glad you
1: brought these up because I uh I might have just started talking about Dak on my own if you hadn't have done this. But uh <laughs> yeah. So Russell Wilson was actually a guy that I was targeting uh for this playoff run in TLG. So I sent out a low ball offer to Crappy Duster trying to get this uh uh you know QB twelve uh, value uh, and take advantage of that and uh you know, unfortunately didn't get the deal done but uh i think he is kind of primed to turn it around over the uh last uh, few weeks of the season here uh of course the issue is that offense just hasn't looked right and they, it's been the low volume attack that we were kind of worried it was going to be going into this year so uh i think Dak at qb7 is absolutely right for him i think burrow has kind of firmly passed him up into that top six range but Russell Wilson at 12, that's, that's screaming value to me. And I think, uh, I would take him over Lance Fields, Lawrence at this point still. Mm-mm. Lance and Fields. Yes. Uh, for me anyway,
2: you're still, you're still holding on to um, Trevor Lawrence, right? Firm, you're going to, I'll, I'll tell oh, you, you're going to talk about him later. I will,
0: I will. But I mean, Russ and Dak, like, yeah, that's absolute value. QB 12. I've been trying to lowball crappy duster all season. I would have been pissed if yours actually worked. So <laughs> well, Yeah, I, I if if I can buy Russ probably what? Got two more good years. Oh, he's, he's 33. 33. Man. He's
1: got at least like five or six.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, okay, but two that you feel like really really good
1: about, I, right? I feel okay.
2: great about russell wilson for five more years Yeah, five
0: great. years is too
1: too much shit can happen in five years bro well, I'll see- this, i don't feel i don't feel great because i am worried if he stays in seattle we're gonna get another year like this where they're like refusing to pass the ball like as a at the top half rate that they should be doing with the quarterback that good
3: I, i'm right there with you trey i think that i don't know there's there's some weird red flags like Russ walking back saying, "Oh, I never said I wanted to be traded, and I want to be in Seattle forever. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. I'm willing to pay two first for him, like you are, Tarek, is, yeah. pro- provided that yeah. he's in Pittsburgh or New Orleans. I don't got a good feeling about the Seattle thing or New York. And basically anywhere. Yeah, I think I think Russ still has the juice, but I, this thing in Seattle, I think the marriage is over, and they're just like they're staying together because of the kids. Like, just cut the cord already." <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right well said let's move on to john and our final insight of the first half
3: all right speaking of my kids uh i'm gonna go (laughs) 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do something no he's he's my dad uh he's yeah he's like 10 years younger than me uh i think this is something (laughs) i've been waiting to do all season i've just been waiting for the opportunity i've been alluding to it on various episodes but i want to talk about my favorite buy low in Dynasty right now, and that's Van Jefferson. Uh, I'm very excited about this because uh, ever since Robert Woods got injured, and I wasn't excited about that because I love Robert Woods, but ever since that happened and they brought in OBJ, Van Jefferson has become more prominent in the Rams offense uh, since week 10. During that span, Van is wide receiver 23 in PPR with 14 receptions, 250 yards, and three touchdowns. Now, Right now, Keep Trade Cut has him valued as wide receiver 40, and DLF has him as wide receiver 63. <sighs> My personal rankings have him at wide receiver 31, which is close to his actual wide receiver 29 finish during the fantasy regular season here through 15 weeks. Uh sorry, 14 weeks. And I think he might be moving upward for me, depending on where he finishes the season. So He's a buy low for me right now. And let me just try and anticipate some of your counter arguments here. Cause I know I've been around Trey enough. I yeah, know go for I it. know exactly <laughs> what Trey's about to say right now.
1: Anticipate so, my resistance. That's
3: yes, right. Uh, so probably I can think of two main arguments. One of them is he's getting a low number of targets and a high number of touchdowns. Now I'll admit he is seeing a relatively small number of targets as compared to other higher wide receiver twos, which are going to likely limit his ceiling, um, over the long term, but he actually has two more targets than Odell to this point. And of the targets he's seeing, there he has a relatively high percentage of red zone targets. In fact, he had two on Monday night. This is why Football Outsiders has him assigned uh, 2.7 opportunity adjusted expected touchdowns, which is basically a metric that says based on where you're getting the ball, how likely is it you're going to get a touchdown. They say it's he was going to they expect him to get 2.7 touchdowns. He got three between weeks 10 and 14, which I might add was fourth highest amongst all wide receivers in the NFL. So it's not like he's getting an abnormal number of TDs here. Uh, Regression shouldn't be an expectation. Here's the other argument I'm expecting. He's the Rams wide receiver three. Well, I just said that he's getting the same number of targets as Odell. In fact, he's getting slightly more. In fact, Odell is a free agent in 2022. Forget about all that, though. Stafford has shown the capacity to support three wide receivers weekly. So from weeks 10 through 14, which is when we lost uh, Robert Woods and got Odell, Cup is wide receiver three, Van Jefferson is wide receiver 23, and Odell's wide receiver 26. Blew me out of the water on that one. Sorry, Odell. Here's the crux, though. Van Jefferson, critically, criminally undervalued at the moment. And I'd like to capitalize on that before the next before the market corrects on this. So he carries low end wide receiver two value the rest of the season and going into next season, I think. So if I can get him for an early second, which is what keep trade Cut says is fair, I'm going to take the value there because that return is likely to be much greater than wide receiver six or running back four or whatever from the 2022 class. So I'm all in on Van Jefferson going forward. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, you're all in on a man. An early second. I, I, there's no way I would, I, I would pull. So you're
3: against the market. You think the market's wrong on that one?
1: No, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I give me the early second because I mean, that puts you in, I, I know it's like risky territory, but it puts you in the same range as guys like, you know, Brandon, i two years ago and you know, Jalen Waddle this year. So uh, there's some good value that falls in that range. So uh, I would kind of prefer the draft pick, but I think the main reason for me is actually more towards the second counterpoint that you uh you raised here because Cup is definitely coming back. Yep. Woods is coming back. Yeah, And I think there's probably a pretty good chance that they bring back Odell Beckham and he is a part of that offense going into next year, too. So Van Jefferson could potentially be, you know, fourth in that passing offense. And you're absolutely right. You know, Stafford and that Rams offense can support three startable fantasy wide receivers, but I don't think they can support four. I Agree with you there. So yeah. Somebody is, somebody is going to lose out there. And I think Van Jefferson is at risk of being the, the last man standing. See,
0: the only thing that I don't agree with is that Woods is not necessarily coming back anytime soon. He tours ACL in November. So uh, he's not going to be back at the start of the season. I don't imagine like ready to go that that injury takes some time it depends on his recovery it does but like even even still he's
2: not adrian peterson or anything it's gonna be
0: (laughs) it's gonna be iffy at the start of the year and van jefferson is likely to be in like in the mix starting next year at least in the beginning of the season so he should get a shot i mean maybe
1: like adrian peterson did that miraculous recovery like eight years ago like medical technology has advanced since then so yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a surefire thing that like Woods isn't on the field on you know day one.
2: I am on record on this podcast multiple times, like not a fan of Van Jefferson, um, mostly because of his production profile and his lack of production in his rookie year. But Sean McVay clearly likes him. Yeah, they're clearly getting him loose downfield. Um, he's a better player than I've given him credit for. Uh, it's just like the value that John is imputing to him here as a high second or running back or uh, excuse me, wide receiver 31, you know, it's, we just have a gap there, but um, I'm not going to necessarily like trash John for it because that's around where he's produced this year. Right. So I, I, you know, it's, I don't really have much. I just, I think the
0: price is going to go up. I, I think it's going to go up towards the end of the year. The last three games, he's scored a touchdown and The Rams are playing Seattle, Minnesota, Baltimore, and San Francisco. He's going to be on the field as that wide receiver three for the rest of the season. And say he scores a couple more touchdowns and puts up a bunch of fantasy points. Like he's going to win people some championships if he does that. And if he does that, his price goes way up for next year, regardless of noise. And Mitch, the noise. this is
1: definitely this is definitely a situation where you have a young player who is performing better in their redraft standing than they're being ranked in dynasty, right? Correct. So this is something that should be putting like off alarm bells, right. for All of us. He's winning right? me so, leagues, man. He's yeah. winning
0: me three of them, like yeah. the last three weeks. He's put me in uh, nice, comfy playoff spots. And
1: redraft, of course. Shout out Adam Harstad one more time.
2: Yeah, that arbitrage opportunity. I, yeah, I, that's that's a good point. And you know, I think me and Trey, if that price goes up over the next four weeks into the offseason, I'm I'm gonna be telling everybody to sell Van Jefferson. That's just, that's just gonna be the Dude, difference. John's between gonna have me a lot of Van
0: Jefferson's uh, shares. Oh
2: yeah, there. yes, exactly. Except maybe you'll get him for a late first and second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mic check four. It is halftime.
3: Nice, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme.
2: It's halftime. We're back to 500 uh, on the year. Um, we went 1 and 3 last week. Uh, Trey was able to anchor us with his pick uh, with how about them Cowboys. But we we tread on in our quest to get back to sharp territory above 55%. We're at 50 right now. Mitch, get us there. What are you going with this week?
0: Well, let's start with, oh my God, it's been a miserable, what, six weeks in a row? I'm staying true to no dice and, uh, no dice December, but I'm taking the Titans this week, guys. I got to get out of this rut somehow, and uh, the Titans are playing the Steelers. Titans are one and a half point favorites away. So, actually, my instincts tell me to take the Steelers here. The Titans have always had a miserable time in Pittsburgh, haunting memories of the game where they used the Madden cam and Mariota was throwing the ball to, wide open Pittsburgh Corners. Uh haunting memories of Keith Bullock and Albert Haynes were stomping on that terrible towel. I hate the Steelers, but historically they've owned the Titans, especially in Pittsburgh. So my instincts were wrong
2: six weeks in a row. Hope they're wrong this week. Go Titans, baby. Go Titans indeed. You know, so Mitch is taking his own advice since he's on a cold streak. He's gonna pick the opposite of what he thinks. Um I forgot to say, as a reminder, uh, every week in halftime, we pick four games against the spread for the upcoming week. And I, in Illinois, place a parlay on those four games. So with that being said, with that clarification, my pick is Rams minus four and a half versus Seattle in L.A., I think the COVID issue in L.A.'s locker room right now is kind of squeezing this line down a little bit. We talked about the dysfunction in Seattle. That's not a good team right now. Rams are a much better team. And while being in SoFi Stadium isn't this huge advantage, at least they're not in CenturyLink, which is a huge disadvantage. They're playing in L.A., so give me the Rams. They're just a much better team. Yeah, Tarek, I'd like this pick for you. All right, John, what you got?
3: Uh, I'm taking the Patriots Plus two and a half versus the Colts in Indianapolis. Uh, Patriots look really good. They're coming off of a bye. Uh, this is this really just comes down to Wentz versus Belichick for me, and I, that's such an easy pick. Like I think Belichick's got gonna get Wentz figured out this week, and uh, give me the two and a half points. I think the Patriots win outright.
2: I consider that pick as well. I I, I do like it. I don't know. Jonathan Taylor's hot, man.
1: Trey, close this out. All right, so like John, I'm going to go with a two and a half point dog on the road. Give me Cincinnati at Denver. I was really tempted by that Bills minus 10 and a half line uh, at home against Carolina, but apparently Josh Allen's dealing with a foot or an ankle injury or whatever. So I'm going to steer clear of that. And uh, I really like this uh, Cincy line here because to me, Cincinnati just hitting their stride at the right time. Uh, they're competing for that AFC North playoff seating. Whereas Denver has already traded away, you know Von Miller and kind of abandoned the passing offense. So yes, that Denver running game and Javante Williams has been awesome, but I think the Cincy D matches up really well. And so yeah, give me the the seemingly better team plus the points here.
2: All right, so Mitch has taken time, Titans the titties minus one and a half over the Steelers. I am taking Rams minus four and a half versus Seattle in L.A. John's got the Patriots plus two and a half versus the Colts in Indy. And Trey's got Cincinnati plus two and a half at Denver. Four and oh, let's write the ship, boys. i will do my best. Feeling
1: good this week, guys.
2: Cheers to that. <laughs> let's kick off this second half and we will pivot back to Trey for your second dynasty insight.
1: All right. Well, I'm gonna stick with uh, Denver here because I just faded them for the uh, parlay pick. So uh, <laughs> these these Denver pass catchers right now are just really struggling, and no one on this team right now has averaged more than six targets per game. So that includes Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. Excuse me, Noah Fant. All guys who we you know have talked about a lot on this pod and have been really relatively high on you know over the course of the season. All of them are right about six targets a game, which This is just a low passing volume offense. There's not a whole lot of touchdowns being scored. None of the targets are consolidated on any one guy. So basically all these pass catchers to me are like not startable for your contending dynasty roster. So do do you think this presents a buy low opportunity and maybe you hold out hope for Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Russell Wilson coming in in the offseason and boosting all their values? I think there's probably a low probability of that happening. But, you know, in some people's mind, there's probably a pretty high upside there. And as I think about it a little bit more, I'm not really sure the reward is all that high because they've already signed Tim Patrick to a three-year deal this year. Uh, KJ Hamler is going to come back healthy next next season. And they continue to use Albert O in the red zone. And, and by the way, uh, Albert O is number three in the league right now in hog grade at 30.5%, which is a measure of his targets per route run. Which meanings, Which means any time that he's on the field and runs a route, he's getting that pass, which is just ridiculous. So maybe that's a buy opportunity there. But I, for these other guys, these main pass catchers, I think I'm out, especially if I can get somebody to pay that Rogers rate, you know, that premium over the current value. You know, kind of hoping for an upgrade at quarterback. And I, I, it's just because I'm fine with betting against the QB change at this point, since I really just don't think. The upside is all that high if one of those, you know, premium quarterbacks does make it in. So yes, maybe this is a crutch argument. You know, literally too many mouths to feed. But but that's where I'm at. So right now, keep trade cut has Judy at wide receiver 21, Sutton at 36, and Fant at tight end 10. Fant is the only one of those values that looks attractive to me. Uh, what about you guys? Are you buying at any of those values?
3: Did you say Sutton is at 36?
1: Wide receiver 36. I'm out. I I it's. I'm just out at this point he he didn't get the rogers rate dude they <laughs> for whatever reason they signed him to this like multi year deal and they stopped throwing on the ball it's crazy
0: yeah it it hurts it hurts me being my reputation player and dude, he's not on any of my starting lineups and or or getting anywhere near them, and he's on a lot of teams of mine, and there's really nothing you can do. I'm not selling him uh like right i'm not taking what I you can't sell him
2: at wide receiver 36 yeah so you know
1: i'm stuck like chuck man just parking him on the bench yeah and that's why i'm saying like maybe you can get somebody to like overreact to the rumor mill right if like you know aaron Rodgers and green bay get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs like maybe there's a buy window that comes up but uh yeah I i know what you mean like it's hard to move them at that value because you know we had really high hopes for these guys coming into this season.
3: I have followed the Broncos closely enough to know that the guy who's signing these wide receivers, the general manager, he's smart. He's got a plan, and it's good. The coaching has been terrible. The play calling has yeah. been awful. I don't expect that, like you're saying, I don't, I don't think necessarily Rodgers is there, but I think it's highly likely that a new play caller is going to be in there, and a guy who this GM... Wants to bring in who's going to unleash these wide receivers that he's paying for. So while I agree that maybe there's not going to be a Rogers bump, uh, I do think that these guys are going to be fantasy relevant next year with some new play calling. And maybe that means that Javante doesn't have quite as much uh, production next year, and that's something we need to think about. But I think there's a pretty clear pa- uh, plan here. And I, I, it's like if I can get Sutton for wide receiver 36 value, like gosh, I don't think anyone's going to sell him to me for that. But I I think next year is going to be much rosier.
2: Yeah, Trey, to answer your question, uh, I'm probably not buying at any of those values. I think if I saw Judy dip a little bit more, it kind of seems like Jerry Judy hasn't taken that much of a hit. From this lull over the last couple of weeks, which is a little bit surprising, he hasn't
1: been producing either.
2: I mean, he came back from the injury and he got a couple of relatively—it wasn't even super high target games. It was just high relative to Sutton, you know. Um, And I kind of. From those two games, I actually flipped Judy and Sutton in my rankings, and that's held steady for me. But if I see Jerry Judy get into the like the high 20s, like in between 26 and 30, I probably buy at that at that price. Sutton, I do think wide receiver 36 could be a value if they get a better player. in. it's just I I think Judy is is the target hog in that offense. Let me just let me just throw this out here for context, because
1: Uh, these three guys here, all of them are sitting right at about six targets a game. Mm -hmm. If you take the entire league and you sort it by targets per game average, there's like 50 guys ahead, yeah, like with more like volume. So like (laughs) that is just not enough to produce like startable fantasy value. It's crazy. It's
2: crazy right now. All right, Mitch, let's move into your second insight.
0: So I was considering doing a segment on a player that I had to have going into next year, and according to their current price, I landed on three guys that are all on the same team. Those guys, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and James Robinson. Uh, None of those current wide receivers are on my radar, though. Uh, And this is all rooted in my belief that Trevor Lawrence is good, and good players make players around them better. And uh, when your quarterback's that player, magic happens. Like, look at the teams with the Bradys and Rodgers and Mahomes of the world. So if you would have asked me in preseason, I would have had the opposite point of view, though. I would have said T-Law would have progressed maybe into the season, put up some real QB1 promise, and uh, maybe found a buddy in the passing game. I hoped it would have been LaVisca Chenault, but here we are. And uh, I thought he'd be too expensive going into next year. Uh, He, after all, was the number one consensus player off the board in a super flex rookie draft. Um, I would have thought James Robinson and ETN would have both been valuable assets, uh, J-Rob being the early guy, ETN being the, the third down back, but that didn't work out either. And even though I thought uh, Urban Meyer would be bad, I don't think any of us saw him falling flat on his face with a handful of butt cheeks, you know? <laughs> yeah, so he, here's the deal. He does like those butt hey, cheeks, man. that's for sure. <laughs> He's a weird dude. He's a weird dude and a bad coach. But, you know, here's the deal. Like, Urban Meyer is still the coach. Whether he's bad or not. And it's December 15th. He's made it this long. So until these, until that changes, these guys are going at a discount. Like, he's all but fired, right? But, man, what if he's not, right? What if he clings on to another six games going into 2022 and then gets shown the door? Anyway, we're constantly banging the table. Talent over situation. And that is the correct philosophy. But the talent is there with these three players. The situation could change. But holy fuck, the situation is a nightmare. Uh, so much so that it's deflating all of these players' values. Like, you brought up last episode about Josh Jacobs, right? John Gruden gets canned, Jacobs gets unlocked. It's not that Jacobs was ever bad. He was the number one overall rookie pick in the draft with Miles Sanders and David Montgomery, if you're not playing Superflex. I don't even remember who the quarterbacks were in that draft, to be honest with you. But right now, according to Keep Trade Cut, you mentioned this earlier, Trevor Lawrence is quarterback eight, but there's a massive tier break. Like, Dak is quarterback seven, and uh, he's in Tier 4, where Lawrence is in Tier 8, and that's other players filling in before him there. And meanwhile, Joe Burrow, quarterback 6, he's also ranked in a Tier 4 like Dak. And I'm looking to make a trade like Burrow for Lawrence, plus some more value on the other side there, like a, like a draft pick. Because I think Trevor Lawrence is capable of getting the Jaguars and himself up there and getting himself those fantasy points. Uh, Etienne's ranked at 20. Robinson is ranked at 26, uh I believe that's pretty disrespectful, Um, although the last two games have just been a mess with uh, J-Rob. I think the next two games are going to decide his worth going into the offseason, though. They got the Texans and the Jets, and if Robinson doesn't do anything against them and loses some people, some playoff games, like, I I can see his value dipping a lot there. So even if urban does get fired at the end of the season before the trades open back up in your fantasy league, I think the damage might be uh, enough to get your discount on all three of these players. And um, I'm, I'm watching closely these, these terrible Jags I'm watching.
1: Yeah. I, I, so in theory, I do think Trevor Lawrence is probably still a buy right now, you know, like because of what has happened this season, like this was absolutely like a can't miss prospect coming into this year. You're absolutely right. Like situation changes. He is probably still good, you know, and they haven't completely ruined him yet. So there is probably still a buying window on Lawrence, especially if you're a team who is playing for next year, right? And and isn't contending because, man, there's no way I'm doing a Burrow for Lawrence swap at this point. Just, I mean, I guess it just depends on how much you can get uh, added on to Lawrence to make that happen. But I would have a really hard time doing that uh, right now, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with you in theory here. I think you're just kind of hoping like talent prevails and the situation sorts itself out over the next uh, you know few months. What about the running backs though, guys? Are, I, I looked
0: at yeah. your ranks, Tarek. Uh, you had Etienne the closest to 26. I think you had him at like 24. The other guys had um, uh, J Rob a little
2: higher than that. Um, are you are you're you talking done- about Robinson? You're talking about Robinson or ET? I'm sorry. Uh, you had James Robinson. So I have James Robinson running back 29 and I have Travis ETN running back 23. So the, the disrespect that you were citing of running back 26, I'm fully in on that disrespect. Uh, look, I think James Robinson is a good, not great running back. I think he's like James Connor or Chris Carson. Um, I think he's You know, he's going to get the job done with what is blocked in front of him. Um, I think Travis Etienne is really exciting, right? So um, his athleticism, his production in college, his first round draft capital. So I'm really excited about seeing what Travis Etienne can do next year. And just like coming into this year, I expect... Travis Etienne to essentially replace James Robinson, right? So um, I think Travis Etienne is more of a buy than James Robinson right now. So I'll I'll throw it
0: back to John then. Um, we all hated on James Conner. We still hate on James Conner, but we used to too. Do you think James Robinson could be next year's James Conner where he just kind of falls so far and John, do you think James Robinson's going to get 18 touchdowns? Uh, no, I don't think the Jaguars are going to get 18 touchdowns, man. Um, I feel, but I feel I, like
3: this might be a loaded question. Have
0: the Jags even scored 10 touchdowns this year?
3: <laughs> this is the first time they've been shut out since the 90s was against the Titans. So, uh, They but,
0: are the best team I'll, in I'll, the NFL. So.
3: I'll say this about James Robinson. He has persevered in terrible situations, and I believe that I think
0: not the last few yeah, weeks
3: yeah well, well he,
0: you can't put up points if your coach doesn't put you on the fucking that, field that, <laughs> that, i know <laughs> i know Thank i know you, <laughs> yeah. and
3: when, when you've got trevor lawrence and i agree with mitch i think trevor lawrence is a very good football player i think he's very intelligent and when you have trevor lawrence advocating for james robinson i think that yep. matters um that says a lot for me because i i agree with you mitch i think trevor lawrence is still a buy uh I and if Trevor Lawrence thinks James Robinson is the best player that the Jags have, then yeah, I think that he's got a role to play next year. But I I tend to agree with Tarek as well that ETN going to be the lead back next year just on talent alone. But we'll see. You know, ETN was an Urban Meyer guy, and with Urban Meyer presumably gone, let's hope uh, things change. So I'm not I'm not counting out James Robinson just yet.
2: Trey, do you think do you think Travis ETN is a buy? right now. And ETN is one of those guys who I
1: you guys know I absolutely loved. So I was I was gutted by the uh the injury. And uh you know, with the way this season has gone, maybe it's kind of a blessing in disguise that he hasn't been there and just uh yeah. had his value trashed with like everything that's happened in Jacksonville this year. I am it, it's just such a mess right now. Like I think you have to look at ETN as a value, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I and I think there's probably reason to expect that if you got ETN now, like his value is going to increase between now and like the week one of, you know, next year. Right. So yeah. um, Just from that perspective alone, it looks like a buy to me, but you know, I can't predict how this is going to shake out with a new coaching staff and, and who's going to get used. But if, if I had to bet, I would bet on the side of the draft capital here.
2: Let me transition into my insight by just saying like, I essentially agree with what most of Mitch said in uh, his, you know, uh, insight about these Jaguars players. I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to become even more of a value. I think he's going to dip a little bit more. Um, And I think Travis Etienne is a buy. I think James Robinson's value is about right, but it it remains to be seen.
0: May I say one last thing just to comment on Trey's comment. uh, He said things are just such a mess right now. And that's exactly what I'm trying to capitalize on here right. it's just like I get what you're it's saying. just such a gross situation and nobody wants a part of it that's why I want a part of it because I think that that's about the lowest that I can get all these players at so uh, and I think that like I don't know if they're going to get rid of them right away and if things are still messy when your trade window opens back up like it's time to get in on that.
1: Look, you didn't talk about the receivers at all, but I did buy low on DJ Chark on a, a rebuilding roster a couple of weeks ago. And I feel pretty good about it because I think like we've seen that Chenault isn't really the answer and Marvin Jones is washed. So I kind of like, you know, Chark's ability to step up next year, coming back healthy, uh, you know, yeah. with T-Law taking that next step. So it's a sneaky, super, super buy low for me. Yeah, it's all just kind
0: of a dart throw for me because I figure they could just bring in another wide receiver anyway that's not on their current roster. And quite frankly, they've all looked pretty below average. So,
2: All right, so uh, my second insight, uh, it's a little bit of a contentious issue, at least uh, if you kind of take the temperature of both Twitter and our uh, league group chat. So let's have this Najee Harris conversation that's been raging over the last few weeks. I have Najee Harris as a low-end running back one, and all of you have him between running back three and running back five, and he's running back two on keep trade cut as well as in DLF ADP, and you know, what's not to like about a rookie running back drafted in the first round who has the most weighted opportunities in the entire league, what's not to like about a man his size that has that nice of hands. He's got that 15% target share as a running back, although that's propped up a little bit by that 19 target game. Let's not forget that running back six and fantasy points per game as a rookie. So why the fuck am I such a hater? Y'all low end running back one volume is wonderful. I think there's a happy medium between there's kind of two parties of people and one party says, Volume is everything in fantasy, right? And there's another party of people that say chasing volume over talent is a fool's errand. And, you know, I think there's a happy medium there. Volume is the clearest path to points, and it's relatively sticky year over year. But I think right now, at least, in this point in Najee Harris's career, volume is truly all we are relying on with Najee. And that concerns me. There's a few metrics out there that are really worrying to me. He's number two overall in yards created. Wow, that's great. But look, he's actually number 31 in yards created per touch, which is quite average. He's running back number 140 in expected points added. That's uh, via player profiler. Number 47 in fantasy points per opportunity He's averaging about negative .4 rushing yards over expectation, which is a PFF stat, meaning he's leaving almost half a yard on the table every time he rushes the ball. These things concern me, but he does get the volume and he is a tank of a man who can handle that volume and that's why he's running back nine for me. But I just can't bring myself to rank him above players whose talent is demonstrated over several years like Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, or younger players that have shown a lot more juice in their opportunities, like Javante Williams. Him at running back two prices is a screaming, fucking shrieking sell for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, Tarek, I I would absolutely sell him at that price. I, I think I have Najee ranked at running back three, it looks like and i you know i I like the volume that he's getting obviously, you know what's not to like, but yeah, it's great, like you know you rattled off a lot of stats, and uh, like it does sound pretty scary, but from what I've seen, he's passed my eye test and he looks he looks fluid he he's got good hands and he's a he's big, you know, so i expect i expect more out of him and I expect him to improve on these things that. Uh, that he's not doing very well. Like he's getting tackled in the backfield a lot. Like the Steelers don't exactly have a. I, I think line. that
2: narrative is. I, I think that narrative is overblown. I think if you if you look at his yards created and you look at how many defenders he's meeting in the box, or you also look at his contact numbers behind the line of scrimmage, there's like 18 backs higher than him in that metric, including Aaron Jones and other players that are far out producing him on a per touch basis.
0: You know what this reminds me of? Uh Josh Jacobs. Um we when early in his career we were we were talking about how much volume he got and how he just wasn't really doing great with it. Like he was doing okay with it, but he wasn't excellent. And like I, I gotta focus on the draft cap. I got to focus on like how I've seen him play football. And I think the fantasy points have been there due to, due to volume, like you said, but I don't know. I think he's got more to bring to the table than, uh, I I'm, I'm sticking at three full confidence here.
1: If you're just looking at counting stats here, like Najee Harris already has 870 rushing yards on the year, 3.7 yards per carry. Right. So not great, but he's also got 60 catches and nine total touchdowns. So those sixty catches that I mean, that makes me feel pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of puts him in, you know, for a rookie year performance. And yes, okay. Yes, Eckler, yes, Camara and Dalvin Cook probably are, you know, more valuable right now uh to your roster. But like they're also just more talented. <sighs> But Najee Harris (laughs) is also a first-year player. Like he is a rookie. Like we would
2: expect. Twenty-four-year-old. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, we would expect him to get better as he progresses. But you're right. Like he is definitely like you know probably coming into the year fully baked compared to other rookies, especially Javante. Well, he
0: hasn't gotten hurt either, so I like that.
1: He's a tank. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like yeah, all these things are positives. He's a first-year player. He's doing great. That's why he's running back nine for me. I just think running back two is a is a little out there. And, you know, let me respond to what Trey said, because I think what pokes a little bit of a hole in my whole spiel right here is that, you know, who also doesn't chart very well in rushing yards over expectation? DeAndre Swift, right? And DeAndre Swift is my running back too. you know, Um, it's just that there's other things about DeAndre Swift's profile and his age that uh, that I like more as well as as good as Najee Harris is as a receiver, DeAndre Swift is that much better, right? Um, so the receiving, like, take what you will, you know, take or leave my own eye test. I think where he's passed that eye test is with his route running in his hands. Like, he looks like a good receiver. And those are high leverage opportunities. So, you know, I, I, I need to, like, back off my hate of Najee Harris a little bit based on that. But my eye test says when I watch him run the ball, he looks average to me.
1: Yeah, and and to me, I think he's just kind of in that same production tier as Eckler, Kamara, Cook, maybe like a tier below. And I think there's reason to you know like him a little bit more as a first year player who could potentially develop and you know
2: step into that tier.
0: In two years, would you rather have Eckler, Kamara, Cook, or Najee?
2: Uh, probably Najee, but there's two years of a lot of production and th- between then and now, you know, also Najee's going to be 26 years old in two right, years, right. right?
0: So I'm just saying, you know, year and a half, start scaling it back. And like, I don't know, in one year I might have a different answer. So
2: yeah, I, I think yeah. that
0: it's fair to rank him this high. I think he might be NFL future.
2: Javante Williams has like about a hundred yards rushing less than Najee Harris, on almost a hundred less touches. Yeah, it's incredible. So like I Javante Williams over Najee Harris all day in my opinion. What do you think about that, John?
3: Oh, I think Javante's definitely the better running back, but Najee's running back four through fourteen weeks. Like there's nothing there's nothing to dispute about that. He's had an excellent rookie season. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in between. Is he running back two? No, he's not. He's a sellout running back two. But is he running back 11? Definitely not. So I I think that you could throw him in the same tier as Eckler and Kamara. I think that's fair. And it's just like, which one do you prefer at that point? Because that's who he is. And I I, I think two years is the right question. Who would you rather have? Because I think that's what we're going to be talking about is Najee for the next two years. And then after that, who knows?
2: I mean, for me, if if you can sell Najee Harris for, you know, Swift or maybe cross position like C D Lamb or something like that, I I'm doing that just because this is an instance where the volume is great, right? But the all the peripheral metrics to me are just are, are just screaming sell to me. You know? So like if if the if the truth is somewhere in the middle between running back two and running back nine where I have him, I guess running back three to five where y'all have him is, is, is where the truth is. I don't know, but <laughs> maybe, No, I mean, you're, we'll you're see.
1: definitely making me want to rethink the Najee over Javante ranking. So, uh, now I don't think you're, you're off base here either. Cause the, uh, the rushing yards under expected that he's shown is, uh, yeah, definitely concerning.
2: All right, John, uh, let's close us out with your final insight.
3: So I, I went through with, uh, y'all saw it on Twitter yesterday. I went through a thing and I was look, going through some of the trades I've made and I gave myself some grades and, uh, one of the one of the things that came out of that was Cordero Cordero Patterson, uh, and Trey and I share a, a, a team on the lake Breakout League where we traded. I I traded for him and I traded him away in several leagues. So uh, he, I, I think about him a lot, especially considering where he finished. So finished the fantasy regular season, season fourteen weeks with two hundred twelve point six PPR points. That's good enough for running back seven. Or or wide receiver 11 on the season. So I say both because in a lot of places he has dual designation, which adds some value there. Incredible. Uh, My personal ranking of him, running back 28, has baked into it the notion that he's going to be a one-season wonder kind of guy. And I think the market agrees with that notion. Keep Trade Cut has him as wide receiver 41, which is equivalent to an early to mid-second. And DLF doesn't list him as a wide receiver. They list him as a running back at running back 33. So as I was going through these trades, and I think I traded him away in two leagues and I traded for him in one league, Uh, I traded him away once with trade, and I traded for him once with trade, I think, in a completely different league, which is interesting. Um, But a second is essentially what it boiled down to. A second is essentially the price that I paid to acquire Patterson or the price that I received to move him off my roster. But when I was evaluating those moves, I wasn't sure that was necessarily a great move to net a second round pick for him. This whole season, I've assumed, and I think a lot of people have, that Patterson would be nothing in 2022. But he legitimately looks good. It's clear there aren't a lot of miles on his engine. So I gotta ask, do we think Patterson has a role to play next year? And if yes, do we think that we're undervaluing him today? I think it's pretty likely that Patterson is a great buy low in the offseason, particularly pre-draft. Can you imagine if the Falcons don't use a high draft pick, and I'm talking first three rounds, on a running back? Could we see similar production next year? Something certainly worth monitoring. I know there's a lot of questions about the development of Pitts. There's questions about is Ridley coming back. But Patterson's looks solid. So are we undervaluing him right now? What do you think?
2: I think if we're just thinking about 2022, we're probably undervaluing him. Uh, if, if our window for our dynasty teams is 2022, I still think Cordell Patterson is a great buy because I think he's demonstrated enough to get him a significant role in Atlanta or elsewhere uh, in 2022. So I have him running back 31, but if I was just thinking about a 2022 contending team, he'd probably be more like a mid-range running back too for 2022
1: yeah Tarek, i agree with that i think he's absolutely got a role on this team going into 2022 i think he's earned that this year he's shown that he's a a dynamic player uh i but you know that said i'm not sure that we're undervaluing him because i feel like the fact that me and you on a you know a, a rebuilding roster were able to package him with a second to move up into a 2023 first yeah like i feel great about that move for sure um you know i i think that was a good return for a guy who's I agree. 29 in his first year breakout
0: so john you brought up if they don't take a running back in the first one two or three rounds but i don't i don't know if that really matters either they brought in mike davis to be that early down guy and like it, it doesn't really matter if he sucks or if he was any good cuz cordell patterson plays his own kind of role in that in that scheme he's he only gets like 4 to 7 rushes a game so Honestly, I uh,
2: no, I mean, are you saying that if they, if they draft Isaiah Spiller in the second round, you're not going to be worried about Cordero Patterson?
0: Not really. No, I still think that he can get himself like four to seven carries a game, but I don't think Mike Davis is the answer. Like yeah. if anything, he can kick rocks. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he's going to be involved. We don't know what's going on with. um, Oh God, Ridley. We don't know what's going on with Ridley. So uh, he might not even be back next year for all we know. So I think he's earned his role on the team and whatever that means, means some fantasy points in my opinion. So
2: he'll be starting. I, I pushed you a little bit there, but I agree. And I also want to lodge you, I think probably, you know, relatively early in the season, it was probably a week little four. bit before the midway. point. It was week four. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch was the guy I think before a lot of people that was saying this guy's got a, a role here, right? And it's like 10 to 12 touches and they're in high leverage situations, right? That's that's where the fantasy points are is it's not only that he's getting 10 to 12 to 15 touches, it's that he's getting those receptions and he's getting those red zone looks, right? So if that continues and Arthur Smith decides to continue and in investing in those high leverage opportunities for Cordero Patterson, then yeah, I don't think we have any reason to be worried even if they draft Uh, uh, you know, a second or third round running back. So even though I pushed you there a little bit, I actually agree with, you
1: you. know, Cordero Patterson came up last week when we were talking about Debo Samuel, right? And we were talking about these positionless, uh, you know, hybrid players of the future. And I think we're going to end up seeing people taking what Cordero Patterson did this year and using it like how people use Tyreek Hill to evaluate wide receiver prospects. Like this guy is just a unicorn, you know? And there's not like just another Cordero Patterson out there. Yes, Debo Samuel has been amazing in his own right, but like the role that he's carved out as with like the dual position eligibility for fantasy has been amazing value this year. Uh, I I mean, for contending roster, I don't know that you could get him for a second round pick right now. I think the not anymore. Right, yeah, I think, I think, he's think he's that ship move sailed that at this point.
2: I think I think it's one of those things that y'all did relatively early, relative to Cordell Patterson's values. You probably have to give a first to get Cordero and a second or equal value back
0: so something fun did happen though John did trade me Cordero Patterson for a second round pick and uh, we are actually matched up against each other in a playoff (laughs) game this week so I'm rooting for Cordero Patterson to you know take care of business John how are you feeling about that trade right now how you feeling about that second round pick you got there, buddy? I,
3: I've got him started in a different league, thanks to Trey. So yeah, go go Patterson, I guess. I'm too. I <laughs> he's, spread he's moved out
1: but... a lot between the three of us, but uh, yeah, the fact that um, John let him go for a second in uh, a one QB league that uh, that seems like a little bit like selling low now and looking back on it. Yeah, you no, know, yeah. I did.
0: I did worse, and I mentioned this in a previous pod. Um, so I was like the first to the selling him party. Uh, like right when it started to happen, and I sold him for two thirds and feel really bad about it. Dude. I did it it's too early.
2: <laughs> but then you were the first to the I'm an idiot party, and Cordero Patterson is. Yes, yeah. I, I overcorrected
0: <laughs> successfully. That's what they say when you're driving, you got to overcorrect.
3: Running
2: back seven. Love it. All right. Well, that is going to do it for episode 35 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. A nice and long episode to welcome back all. Four homies back into the fold. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Adios.